Howdy, y'all. I'm Justin. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello. Welcome back once again to Cowboys Like Us, the only podcast that's high-key bussin', fam. How do you do, my fellow Gen Zs? We, too, are hip and down with you. Dads, Brads, and Chads. <laughs> That's alright, we're gonna get into that. But the song of the week that we're talking about is Day of Grace, the opening track from Taylor Swift's Red. That's it. But first, we have some poll results. The people voted, and Nobody No Crime got a six. Too damn high. <laughs> but that's how democracy works. We allow you to make terrible choices, if that is your wish. And we live with the consequences. Yep. Sad. <laughs> oh, do you have any other pod business to get it to today? Any, any exciting pod news? I don't know. All right, well then, let's get right into the news. <laughs> news from around the Taylorverse. First up, we have a Tavis update. Taylor Swift? And Travis Kelsey attended a holiday party in Kansas City wearing ugly Christmas sweaters. Taylor's. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> cut off your whoop whoop. That's okay. <laughs> it's not necessary. Taylor's had a squirrel wearing a Santa hat on it. Other chiefs and their families were also there, including the Mahomeses, Patrick and Brittany. And they wore matching reindeer onesies. Real cute. According to an alleged witness, Taylor's song Christmas Tree Farm was played at one point during the party. And they also said, quote, everyone looked happy and festive. There was great energy at the party. Love to see it. Brittany Mahomes and Taylor then flew on Taylor's private jet up to Green Bay, Wisconsin for the Chiefs vs. Packers game. The Chiefs lost the game and Travis did okay. Out here myth busting. Yep. The, the magic is over. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. It's because, she, it's because she had to miss the family reunion game. Ah, yes. Of course. threw it off. Damn you. Time for fun. You know what you did. <laughs> you know what you did. Speaking of people who've done heinous things, former basketball player Lamar Odom <laughs> yeah. has offered Travis Kelsey some advice mm. in an interview this week. He, much like O.J. Simpson, just needs to keep their mouth. Both of them need to keep their mouth shut. Well, friend of the pod, Lamar Odom, said, well, I should say, for anyone who may not know, Lamar was married to Khloe Kardashian, yep. the second or third most famous. <laughs> Fifth? I don't know. She's top five. Um, she's top five. Yeah, I think, she, I think she'd be the... I think she would most likely be the third most famous. Like, the if you ask people randomly on the street to name a Kardashian... I feel like they would name two others, one of which is not even a Kardashian, before they named Chloe. A Kardashian. Side tangent. <laughs> named Chloe before they broke up, in part due to his infidelity. And he wants Mr. Travis Kelsey to not repeat his mistakes. He said, quote, My advice would be to be strong and stay by her and be as close to her as possible. There are going to be millions of women that want to taste what Taylor Swift is tasting. 
And it can be overwhelming because we're men. He just has to be strong and stick by his girl and he'll be all right. Can we talk about how absolutely disgusting that is first? Yeah. Millions of women that want to taste what Taylor Swift is tasting. Yep. His sweet creams. (laughs) Yeah. It's gross. And also the whole, oh, you know, we men, we can't control it because we're just animals. Just fucking calm down, okay? Yeah. A little bit of misandry for you. Of these two being Lamar Odom and Travis Kelsey, I have so much confidence that Travis Kelsey can control himself. Do I think he's a perfect angel and hasn't made mistakes in the past regarding infidelity? I'm no. I don't, I'm not blind. But I think he's more trustworthy of a person. Lamar hadn't been trustworthy since day one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think Travis is going to be fine. I don't think he needed to hear from Lamar, but... I know, I think Travis knows what is up to lose. And Lamar thought he could find better. What a dumb thing yeah. to think. Anyway, Lamar Odom needs to keep his mouth shut. So does O.J. Simpson. That's my soapbox for today. <laughs> a hot take. You heard it here first. <laughs> Moving on to our next story. Got some cat news for you. The latest breaking feline news bulletin. Mariska Hargitay plays a character named Olivia Benson on Law & Order SVU. Um, Detective Olivia Benson put some respect on her name. Possibly a special agent. We are unsure at this time. But yes, she is a detective or something on Law & Order SVU. And Taylor famously named one of her cats Olivia Benson, after the character, of course. And now, Mariska is returning the favor by naming her new cat Karma after the Taylor Swift song. She posted a pic of Karma with the kid with the caption, Karma is a cat, at Taylor Swift, meet Karma, my cat, hashtag, me and Karma vibe like that, hashtag, and I keep my side of my paw clean, <laughs> hashtag, Karma is a cat. <laughs> Taylor was hyped by the post, saying, quote, are you serious? With four exclamation points. Nothing has ever come more full circle. Love this so much. <laughs> All caps. So... Karma the kitty is very cute. She is cute. In other news, Taylor was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year, which has gone in the past to such luminaries as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and others. So Yeah, yeah. that, you know, (laughs) when I think of uh, notable people for Time to put on their magazine, my brain goes, Hitler, Stalin, Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah. (laughs) You know, they're basically the most important people to live. Yeah, say for what sure. you, say say what you want about Adolf Hitler. He may be the worst person you've heard of, but you have heard of him. He really did what he wanted to do. <laughs> you know, he so, had a he had a vision. Exactly. And he was on his hustle grind set. Gen Z, we're still here. And he made it happen. Did you just say hustle grind set? He was. Rise and grind. He was on that. Okay. <laughs> We're going to cut all this anyway. <laughs> Taylor Swift was named Time Magazine's person. <laughs> she was one of nine finalists. The other finalists were, collectively, Hollywood Strikers, mm-hmm. the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America. Both were striking. Chinese President Xi Jinping, Sam Altman, the prosecutors in the trial of Donald Trump, Barbie, Vladimir Putin, King Charles III, and Jerome Powell. But Taylor beat all those guys out and 
took the crown. And the article has a lot of interesting quotes. And I have pulled some of my favorites that I think are most interesting uh, for us to chat about. First up, Taylor basically echoed my point from last week, which confirms to me what I already suspected, that she is a fan of this podcast. Taylor, (laughs) thank you. We see you. She said on Beyonce, quote, she's the most precious gem of a person, warm and open and funny, and she's such a great disruptor of music industry norms. She taught every artist how to flip the label and challenge archaic business practices. There were so many stadium tours this summer, but the only ones that were compared were me and Beyonce. Clearly, it's very lucrative for the media and stand culture to pit two women against each other, even when those two artists in question refuse to participate in that discussion. Yeah, I appreciate that because they would have been pitted against each other no matter what, but Kanye definitely kicked it off in a very public manner. And even then, Beyonce was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yep, she was clearly very uncomfortable yeah. with what was happening. Didn't want to be part of the narrative, just like Taylor. Yep. We love to see powerful women supporting other powerful women. Don't let the men pit you against one another. It's almost like there's so much room in the world. It's almost like we all know now. We all got crowns. Something, something. You need to calm down. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't listened to that song in a minute. We all know now. We all got crowns. You need to calm down. Okay. Yeah. But famously, something, something. You need to calm down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a less happy note, she addressed... Kimye, the Kimye drama, she said, quote, You have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say to everyone that I was a liar. I felt like my career was taken away from me. Yeah. And she then went on to say that she basically moved to another country for a couple years and hid out from all the drama. <laughs> I saw a TikTok uh, where someone was talking about how she went from saying, God, I love the English in London, boy, to saying, I moved to a foreign country, which was England. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's really how times have changed. (laughs) Damn, it do be like that. Yeah. We'll see if Kim says anything. My thought is she won't. Yeah. At this point. I wouldn't assume that she would. Anything she would say, I feel like would just reignite things for sure and she's already been kind of vocal about how she no longer agrees with kanye's actions and has tried to distance herself as much as she can from him despite them having three children four children together however many children they have four so i feel like if she's smart (laughs) she will just let it be we'll see on the label change from big machine to universal taylor said quote The molecular chemistry of Big Machine was that every creative choice I wanted to make was second-guessed. I was really overthinking these albums. Universal basically said to me, Whatever you turn in, we will be proud to put out. We give you 100% creative freedom and trust. And so that is why she ultimately signed with Universal. And it's been a very productive partnership thus far. I also feel like it was very obvious that, like, because she was a nobody child when she signed with Big Machine, that's how they always saw her, even though she was their cash cow. Right. Um, they were just like, you're a nobody child. Who are you to ask for these things? And then you, by the time she was like, I'm leaving and I'm going to Universal, Universal was like, we will do anything we need to do to have you because you are the one of the biggest stars in the entire world. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure she could have got a deal from anybody. Mm-hmm. 
I think Big Machine was banking on the, hey girl, you you know, you know us, you're comfortable here, your homies. We've done you? everything for you thus far. That's right. We done right by you, ain't we? You know? No. <laughs> you have it. So just go ahead and sign this contract for peanuts and uh, everything yeah. will be cool. Yeah. No. She outgrew the small pond and moved on to the big pond. The major label and it's going very well. Yeah. On the controversial sale of her masters from Big Machine to Scooter, she said, quote, With the Scooter thing, my masters were being sold to someone who actively wanted them for nefarious purposes, in my opinion. I was like, oh, they got me beat now. This is it. I don't know what to do. And of course, after taking that uh, feeling and mulling it and sitting there with it for a time, she ultimately decided to do the re-recording project, in part inspired by Kelly Clarkson's encouragement, mm-hmm. who got a shout out in the article. And the rest is history. Good stuff. The most interesting thing to Kimberly, probably, yeah, was about her relationship with Travis. She said, quote, This all started when Travis very adorably put me on blast on his podcast, which I thought was metal as hell. We started hanging out right after that, so we actually had a significant amount of time that no one knew, which I'm grateful for, because we got to get to know each other. By the time I went to that first game, we were a couple. I think some people think that they saw our first date at that game. We would never be psychotic enough to hard launch a first date. When you say a relationship is public, that means I'm going to see him do what he loves We're showing up for each other. Other people are there, and we don't care. The opposite of that is you have to go to an extreme amount of effort to make sure no one knows that you're seeing someone, and we're just proud of each other, end quote. I think that this is laced with so many things, you know, like reading between the lines. Like, first of all, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, but I definitely had multiple conversations about it. But that first game that she went to and left with him, got in his convertible car Mm -hmm. and drove off with no security in sight. That is not a thing that she does. And everybody was like, oh, this is their first date. This is the first time they're hanging out. They've never met before this, whatever. Obviously was not the case. Right. She's not going to meet the mom on the first date. Before she even, yeah, before she even like actually meets him, and then you're not gonna get in a car if you're Taylor Swift, unarmed, <laughs> with a man you don't know. That's not gonna happen. So it was very obvious that we weren't getting the whole picture mm-hmm. in the beginning. But as time has gone on, there's been a lot of speculation about how long they may have actually been in contact before that. Some people think as early as April, okay. and that Maddie Healy. And Taylor never dated and all that stuff. But now we have a very, we have a more narrow view, kind of clearing some things up. Right. That they started hanging out in July. We didn't find out about it until September. So they had about two months to be a couple, which is a real good amount of time Mm -hmm. to be a couple before anybody knows about it. So we talked about last week or the week before about, oh, if Taylor and Travis are saying I love you and why that would be a big deal or not. I think it's even less of a big deal now that we know that they dated for two months before they were public. I agree with that. At a certain point, it's not noteworthy. It's just sort of the natural progression of things. Exactly. They're at that point in their relationship, if they are, which is the speculation. But 
Um, the other thing is the last part of this quote to me. The uh, When you say a relationship is public, that means I'm going to see him do what he loves. We're showing up for each other. Other people are there and we don't care. Right. The opposite is that you have to go to an extreme amount of effort to make sure no one knows that you're seeing someone and we're just proud of each other. So that part to me is very much like, and she said a lot recently about how she kind of regrets the time that she was hidden away Mm -hmm. and avoided people and society in general because she feels like she lost that time and she can't get it back. And I feel like all of those things are little nuggets pointing to what everybody is speculating after Jack letting us know that You're Losing Me was written on December 5th of 2021. Right. Which is, Joe wanted their relationship to be private, and he wanted her for himself, and she didn't like it like that. Yeah, that was my immediate thought as well. I saw a post this week on r slash Taylor Swift, sort of taking up for Joe a bit, which we can feel how we want to feel about that, but (laughs) one thing it pointed out, and I do think it is a fair point to make, is that at the time of Reputation and the Kimye stuff and just all of yeah. that, I think Taylor maybe needed to be out of the public eye a little bit for her own oh yeah peace of mind. And so at first, I think Joe gave her what she needed. Mm-hmm. And then once she sort of healed from mm-hmm. the trauma a bit, it was no longer what she needed. Right. It, she was ready to go back to the way she used to live and he was like "Mm, but i'm really comfortable with the way that things are now this is what i like this is what i prefer yeah i don't want you to be that person so i think it's not so much a joe sucks thing as just a taylor no longer is buying what he's selling sure on a personal opinion i still think he sucks a little bit But I, I can agree. I think that her language has changed a lot from, like, the long pond sessions to now. Mm. Because in the long pond sessions, it very much felt like we prefer to stay out of the spotlight. We prefer it this way. We prefer it that way. She's trying to smooth it over, being like, yeah, this is my idea, too. But it's not really what she wanted. And now she's like... We are being public about it. People are going to be there, and we don't care, and we're just proud of each other. Like, because she didn't get that, is what I feel from yeah. this. No, I think I think that's fair, and I'm glad that she is getting what she feels like she needs at this time. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy for her and Travis, obviously. Yeah. So. Yay! Yay! Speaking of the people who aren't necessarily so happy, <laughs> Taylor had a great quote. She said of the coverage of her on the NFL broadcast, quote, I don't know how they know what suite I'm in. There's a camera, like, a half mile away, and you don't know where it is, and you have no idea when the camera's putting you in the broadcast. So I don't know if I'm being shown 17 times or one time. I'm just there to support Travis. I have no awareness of it if I'm being shown too much and pissing off a few dads, brads, and chads. Dads, brads, and chads. (laughs) Yep. I like that. That is my new favorite thing. That's the best thing, one of the best things that Taylor's ever said. Yep. Taylor's just doing her, having fun. She can't control if the camera puts her on there a bunch of times. Yeah, it's the... It's the commentators and the NFL and the money-hungry people who are taking advantage of her being there. That's right. Like, it's not on her, which I know some people feel like it is, but... Well, she's a woman. We know it's not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's a successful woman at that. Out in... Outside? Of the home? In the public. In the public. With her boyfriend. Yeah. Nonsense. (laughs) We can't have it. 
Yeah. It's the whole thing. Yeah. And finally, another thing that Kimberly creamed her jeans over, about the the re-recording of Reputation, she said, quote, It's a goth punk moment of female rage at being gaslit by an entire social structure. I think a lot of people see it, and they're just like six snakes and strobe lights. The upcoming vault tracks for Reputation will be fire. Okay, first of all, if you look at Reputation and you go, Six snakes and strobe lights. GTFO. Okay? (laughs) Please see yourself out. But... A goth punk moment of female rage is my new identity. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Yeah. I don't think musically it's very goth punk, but I do think the aesthetic that she adopted it. That's what I was going to say. I think she just means like the whole era in itself. Yeah. Not the music specifically. I think that's fair. Yeah. Because like the whole era encapsulates goth punk moment of female rage at being gaslit by an entire social structure. Not just the song. Because some of the songs are... Love songs and breakup songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more range on the record than yeah. the branding would suggest. I do think it's encouraging that she uh, calls the vault tracks fire because we got positive hype from Taylor about the 1989 vault, which turned out to be well justified. Yeah. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully we'll get it before too long. Let's see. I think this is going to be the opposite reaction um, in a way or thought process to 1989 Taylor's version because us, like a bunch of other people, kind of went into 1989 going, it's so great how it is. How can you make it better? Like, we're excited for these vlog tracks, but how could it possibly be better? Right. And then she just straight up slapped us in the face with all new mixes and also the best fall tracks that we've gotten thus far. And I think with Reputation, it's going to be the opposite in that everybody's like, oh, yeah, Reputation, you know. Right. It's just, it's down on the bottom of my list. Now, I think they are underestimating debut more than Reputation, but I think people underestimate Reputation. And she says these will be fire. And I think when we get this re-record, it's going to be so much. It's going to be so much fire we can't handle it. Yeah, I'm excited for the mix. I think we're going to get new rep stands out of this. <laughs> because Christopher Rowe was not involved, and he is has been on all the re-records. Yeah. And he we talked about it. Yeah. Got a really nice, big, sort of surround sound yeah. drums for, like, 1989. So, Which is exciting because Reputation already has that big sound. <laughs> yeah. Can it go bigger? Yes! <laughs> I want it to. I want it to be gigantic. <laughs> That's what I will truly crave my pants. Yep. We'll see. I'm excited yeah. for the possibility. Yeah, I'm so ready, man. <laughs> so ready. But Time's not the only publication that gave Taylor an award this week. People Magazine also named her number one on their list of most intriguing people. She's on the cover of the special issue. Taylor was not interviewed for it for whatever reason. Maybe she declined it. Maybe Time wanted an exclusive Who's to say? But Aaron Desner, friend of the pod, was interviewed about Taylor for it, and he had a lot of very nice things to say. Basically, Taylor's brilliant and down-to-earth and a good cook and just (laughs) lots of very nice things. He likes Taylor a lot. But my personal favorite part was when they asked about Taylor's future. Where does Taylor Swift go from here? Aaron said, quote, I think Taylor has so many stories to tell. She will keep writing better and better songs and experimenting stylistically. She sometimes jokes 
that she likes to change what she writes her songs with literally. Sometimes it's an ink or glitter pen or with me, it's often more like a 19th century quill. I think she'll keep inventing new ways and methods of writing and keep expanding this enchanted universe of her own making that we all get to enjoy. So to me, that's exciting because, you know, if she continues to experiment with with her stylistic choices, we could one day get the Taylor Swift rock album that everybody wants. Karma, karma, karma. Yep, we could get uh, could get a electronica record. We could get it. You know? <laughs> That'd be fun. Where's the Taylor Swift jazz record? I know Justin would love that. Taylor Swift rap record. I'm sorry, have you heard Thug Story or not? It's not a full record, it's one song. Alright, well, we already know that it's possible. And I do think it's funny to imagine Taylor pulling out a 19th century quill to write lyrics. But also knowing that Aaron worked with her on a bulk of Folklore and Evermore, and Midnight's, but Folklore and Evermore. Those two albums are just so 19th century quill, it isn't even funny. Yeah, I guess that's how she gets into the right mindset to write that type of music is like with the equipment. Yeah, because the glitter pin thing I think came with... Lover? No, I think it was way before that. I think it was either Fearless or Speak Now when she talked about it. How she writes certain songs in glitter pen because it just feels better. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Creatives. They're strange. No one, no one understands them. But yeah, they make cool stuff, so we like them. All right. <laughs> Do you have any other news that I might have missed that you want to chat about? Speaking of the Reputation re-record, Kimberly is proud to present a very special episode of Kimberly's Clown Corner. Kimberly's Clown Corner. I'm calling it Quick Clowns. <laughs> For all the dads, brads, and jads in the world. Multiple weeks in a row, I have mentioned that everyone is still speculating on the rep re-record release and how I'm not going to dive into it because Justin will probably strangle me in my sleep if I do. But <laughs> here we are. I'm going to do it because we got a lot of we got a lot of things um, over the past like week. She's pregnant, and she thinks that makes her safe. <laughs> From the sleep strangling. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's the whole reason I got pregnant. <laughs> to save myself. Yep. Sleep um, more comfortably. Oh, yeah. Without fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, today is December 8th, in case you were wondering. And today, while Justin and I were at lunch, Taylor changed her social media cover photos and profile photos back to Midnight's from 1989 Taylor's version. Does that mean anything, you think? Well, the last time she did this, we got the 1989 Taylor's version re-record announcement exactly 13 days later. What would be 13 days from today? 13 days from today is December 21st. Is there another significance to that date? (laughs) It's like you were with me when I wrote this. I wasn't, really. No, you weren't. (laughs) December 21st is both... The winter solstice, this is a note for Madeline. This is according to Google, Madeline. If that is incorrect, this is not an original theory, and don't kill me if I got the date wrong. Take it up with Google. (laughs) So it's the winter solstice and the last day of Sagittarius season. There it is. Which Madeline also is. (laughs) (laughs) In the Karma music video... Taylor has a scene that gives big rep vibes, but also gives underworld Hades vibes. In Greek mythology, the only day Hades is allowed to go to Olympus is the winter solstice. Isn't that interesting? Taylor 
has also been wearing a lot of black, like full black or majority black outfits. And with the all black outfit she wore to an Emma Stone premiere of her new movie. Yes, Poor Things. Yes. She carried a clutch with a Sagittarius constellation on it. I mentioned that Madeline is a Sagittarius, but obviously so is Taylor. Right. (laughs) The Time magazine photo shoot was also so rep-coded, it ain't even funny, down to the guitar that she poses with in a couple of the photos, which is the black guitar with silver stars that is from the Rep Stadium Tour. Ooh. Everything about that photo shoot was screaming reputation. Also, just a fun extra fun fact. 12-21-2023, if you add all the numbers together, you get 13. So, <laughs> 12 mm-hmm. is 3. 21 is 3. So that's 6. Okay. 20 added together is 2, which is 8. And then 23 added together is 5. five. 8 and 5 is 13. Okay. I'm not great at math. But I double-checked my work. No, I just, I was adding 12 to 21. And I was like, right. we're already well past 13. I don't no. know what's <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> if you add each individual number together, you I get see. 13. Okay. So, I, with all of this information that has come out literally just, like, within the last week, with her outfits, the time photo shoot, and the article, the connections to the date and the changing of her profile photos. How does the 21st, how does the winter solstice solstice work into any theory about rep? How indeed. Right. So a lot of people think that we are going to get the rep TV announcement on the 21st. Okay. But as you all have heard before, my personal clamory is that she will announce Reputation Taylor's version at the end of the Eras Tour movie once it is on streaming. When does so, that begin? I was going to say, so we don't have a date for that yet. Now, I'm not talking about rented on demand. Right, I'm talking about right. once it goes to streaming and absolutely anybody in the world can view it. We've assumed January. We've assumed January. So everybody thinks, oh, okay, now we're going to get the announcement on the 21st. But here is my new amended theory based on working this in, all of these new clues in. So, on Taylor's birthday, December 13th, the Eras Tour movie will be available on demand for rent to people who have the funds to rent it. Sure. 13 days from today, when she changed her profile photos, will be the 21st, and I believe that's when we will get the Eras Tour movie announced for streaming beginning January 12th. So, it'll go on demand on the 13th. On the 21st, we will get the announcement One week after that, we will get the announcement that it's going to streaming, and it will be available for streaming on January 12th, which is the 100-day theory, which is the 100-day theory, the 112-day theory, which is 112. Okay. Hmm. Then, on New Year's Day, which has been another day that a bunch of people have been speculating because of the song, we will get the announcement for Reputation. I think that we either won't get a single thing on New Year's Day, she'll just be quiet, or we will get an announcement of the Rep Stadium Tour movie moving to Hulu or Disney Plus or wherever it's going to go since it goes off Netflix on December 30th. So I think if we get an announcement of anything on New Year's Day, it'll be when the rep movie will be available to stream elsewhere outside of Netflix. Just a little thought on that. I assume it and 
Eras Tour mm. movie once, they stream. We'll probably both end up on Peacock because okay, NBC is owned by Universe. Makes sense, too. Yeah. That's makes, my theory. Makes sense, too. I just always assume it's going to go to Disney because she has... She works with them sometimes. But we know it's not going to be on Netflix. At least Rep is not going to be on Netflix. So right. I think if we get anything on New Year's Day, it'll be information of where Rep is going since it will have just left Netflix two days before. Then on January 12th, the Eras Tour will start streaming. Streaming. <laughs> the Eras Tour will start streaming. The end credits will roll. Karen the Snake will slither across the screen. And Rep TV coming February 16th will come across the screen so i think that's when we're gonna get the announcement i think that's what the timeline looks like going forward let's hope so that it yep that's my clownery all right thank you for that and now let's move on to chart watch on the billboard artist 100 taylor stayed put at number one on the billboard hot 100 singles chart christmas is here six of the top 10 are christmas songs so that's throwing taylor and everyone else for a loop rocking around the christmas tree is at number one and all i want for christmas is you by mariah carey currently at two i expect it to take the leap to number one yeah. soon but for now it's it i'm gonna be honest i quickly read that <laughs> i saw christmas has arrived and then i thought it said rocking around the christmas tree is the top six of or is six of the top ten so I thought it was just rocking around the Christmas tree rocking around the Christmas tree rock like um, six different versions different versions yeah, yeah no nope it's at number one that would have been the funniest prank of all time if somebody managed to pull that off that would have been pretty good thanks to the magic of streaming you know we could do it don't let your dreams be it's dreams it's possible we just needed it to be Christmas tree farm six time and all the different remixes of it that we've got I think we can do it <laughs> Madeline Start the campaign <laughs> on the social medias. But anyway, Cruel Summer dropped five spots to number seven. Is It Over Now dropped 12 spots to number 21. You're Losing Me debuted at number 46, but now available to stream. And so people have been listening to it. Except apparently not Justin. Not me. <laughs> now That We Don't Talk is down 18 to number 74. Slut is down 22 to number 98. And Say Don't Go down 19 to number 100. Right at the bottom. Yep. It and Slut are probably gone next week, but we'll see. Onto the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. 1989 TV rose one spot to reclaim the throne at number one. Midnight's rose three spots to go to number three. Folklore is up four to number five. Lover is up two to number six. And Speak Now TV up seven to number ten. Taylor has five of the top ten this week on the album's chart, including number one. Outside the top 10, Red TV rose in four spots to number 19. Reputation stayed at 27. Fearless Taylor's version up six spots to number 34. Evermore is down five to number 36. And 1989, the stolen version, down 17 to number 76. Trending in the right direction there. We yep. will see. All right, we already went to the clown corner. So now, let's get into our song of the week. State of Grace was originally released on Red in 2012. It was re-recorded and re-released on Red Taylor's version. It was written by Taylor Swift. The original version was produced by Taylor Swift and Nathan Chapman. And Taylor's version by Taylor Swift and Christopher Rowe. Chart info. The original reached number 13. Ayy. On the Hot 100. And Taylor's version peaked at number 18 on the Hot 100. And the song has been certified gold for 500,000 sales 
in the United States of America. What has Taylor said about this song? <laughs> I wrote this song about when you first fall in love with someone, the possibilities, kind of thinking about the different ways that it could go. It's a really big sound. To me, this sounds like the feeling of falling in love in an epic way. Okay. Let's move on to the critical reception. LA Times said, quote, It has a strong U2 streak to it, with feedback and echo-drenched guitars and some of her most for the rafters vocals yet. MTV said, Its sparkling production and powerhouse vocals definitely has the record in the realm of pop. Entertainment Weekly said... While Swift songs are usually quite lyrically driven, and that is a good thing, State of Grace is more about the build, that dawning sense of triumphant wonder that accompanies love, and the extended instrumental breaks provide a more forceful, mature impact than Swift's standard sass. (laughs) Sass. Ben called it brutally effective. Billboard said, Pounding drums, throbbing guitar lines, and elongated syllables mark the country star's boldest foray into the all-encompassing arena rock of Muse, The Temper Trap, and even U2. Detroit News said, Feels like something of a game-changer for Swift. A big-time, grown-up rock anthem that feels like it's wrapping its arms around the top row of the cheap seats. Aren't we getting poetic, Detroit News? Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) According to the Toronto Star, it was a shameless U2 knockoff designed to try and attract rock radio play. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Slant said, lacks the specificity that is one of the defining traits of Taylor's songwriting. So we did have a couple of negatives there. But a for couple the, of wildly positives. Yes, for the most part, very positive. What about the fans? How do they feel? Rob Sheffield. Big boy Rob. <laughs> ranked it number 45 in his ranking of all of Taylor's songs. Damn, that's high. Yeah, Rob said that this song was, quote, one of her greatest love songs in arena rock drag. And oh, he said grandest, but that's fine. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. R slash Taylor Swift ranked it the second best track of 29 in their red Taylor's version Survivor game, behind only all too well 10 minute version. So they think <laughs> that this song is the second best song on the whole album behind the 10 minute version. That is what they believe. Th- I think that's a little ludicrous. Well, we'll get into that. You were supposed to say, no, he's in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to get that there. I wasn't going to get there. Um, this is Sparta. Is that track? You know? I don't know if Gen Z gets that joke. Anyway, it's fine. I don't know either, but... I'm not sure how well that finished. <laughs> Let's get into the lyrics a bit. Verse number one. I'm walking fast through the traffic lights. Busy streets and busy lives. All we know is touch and go. We are alone with our changing minds. We fall in love till it hurts or bleeds or fades in time. Life moves fast. Love comes and it goes very quickly. Touch and go, to me, is an interesting bit of wordplay. If something is described as touch and go, you know, it means that it's sort of an on the knife edge type of thing. Could go either way. Flying by the seat of our pants type of thing. But if we take it more literally, it could refer to Taylor's dissatisfaction with modern dating and hookup culture. You know, you touch someone sexually, and then <laughs> you go. Get out of there. Wham, Long bam. get. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And yeah, when you're young and you're single, it does seem like that's the only way that love ends. You know, it hurts. 
or bleeds or fades away in time. Your partner hurts you or you hurt them. It's tough out there for young people. Yeah, especially even since this song was written, the dating culture has changed so much. Gotten worse, I would think. I don't know. I'm not out there anymore. I don't know that it's necessarily worse. It's just different. Yeah, people are saying shit like Riz. (laughs) And I don't know what I would do with that. Yeah. If a girl told me I had a lot of Riz, I wouldn't even know if it was complimentary or not. I think it is. I believe so. I am unsure. It is a derivative of the word charisma. Okay, then it is positive. (laughs) Yes, it is positive to have Riz. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For future reference when you're on the dating apps. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So, on to the chorus. And I never saw you coming, and I'll never be the same. Most interesting thing to me about this chorus is how small it is. How few words that it has. It's just a little guy. Just a little guy. But it says all that it needs to say. She was caught off guard by a new love, and the experience has changed her forever. Great economy of language, sort of almost Hemingway-esque, you know? That's what he did. He was always very, there was an old man on a boat. He caught a fish. Like, the end. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be overly, you know, why use many word when When few word do trick? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why over-explain? That's right. Verse 2. You come around and the armor falls, pierce the room like a cannonball. Now all we know is don't let go. We are alone, just you and me, up in your room, and our slates are clean. Just twin fire signs, four blue eyes. So we see a similar construction here as the armor falling in Ed Sheeran's verse of Everything Has Changed. Instead of armor, he takes his walls down, Taylor's armor falls. Interesting that Ed presents his letting his new partner in as an active choice. He is choosing to let the walls come down and open the door for her. Whereas Taylor, here in this song, presents the armor falling as a sort of passive gesture. She doesn't release her armor. It just falls off. It happens. Something to think about. Why is she passive in that? Versus Ed Sheeran being active and everything has changed. Something about men and women? I don't know. I don't know. Or the relationships and the comfortability level. Maybe. Because if you're more comfortable in a relationship, maybe those walls would gradually fall. But if you're not, and you're kind of forced to knock them down. Maybe the guy Taylor has found just has a lot of riz. And so it... Yeah. You know, she can't help it. The riz just rips her clothes off. (laughs) I think that's how it works. I'm given to understand. Pierce the room like a cannonball. Interesting choice of verb. When I think of pierce, I think of sharp, pointy things. Cannonballs, and I, this is a rarely known historical fact, cannonballs are round. Quite large. And quite large. <laughs> Does Taylor think that the Kool-Aid man pierces rooms when he right. comes in? <laughs> I was going to say pierce, yeah. you Like, sharp and pointy, but small. Right. And like, That's how it pierces, because it's small. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, like a pierce is like a dart, much smaller than like a, than a bomb. <laughs> yeah, cannonballs don't pierce things; they explode. They yeah. blast through something. Yeah, they they take down whole structures indubitably. When you're with a new partner, it can feel very purifying. Everything is new. What happened before with other people, it doesn't matter anymore. The slate is clean, and you hope that you write something better on it. 
this time. And finally, I just want to say, hashtag fire sign gang, we out here. Whoop, whoop. There's a note from Madeline that says, boot. <laughs> That's right. We out here. On to the pre-chorus. So you were never a saint, and I've loved in shades of wrong. We learned to live with the pain, mosaic broken hearts. But this love is brave and wild. Taylor loves bad boys. Whom's among us? But she's not perfect either. Justin loves bad boys. <laughs> they just got so much riz. Um, but she's not perfect either. Particularly when it comes to romance. She's broken her share of hearts in her day as well. I think mosaic broken hearts is a cool line. Your heart gets broken into tiny little pieces. But you then put the pieces together and you build something beautiful from them. Like mosaic. You know? Yeah. Pieces of glass formed into a new creation. Under the bridge, this is a state of grace. This is the worthwhile fight. Love is a ruthless game unless you play it good and right. These are the hands of fate. You're my Achilles heel. This is the golden age of something good and right and real. Another great mythology reference. Hey. If you know, you know. But yeah, we've said it a bunch already on this podcast, and I'll say it once more. Taylor's bridge game is bonkers. She builds them. She builds them. We've already talked a bit about grace on this pod as well. But here again, we see Taylor using it in the religious sense, not the common sense. She has found salvation and redemption through a new love. Love is not easy, but it is worth fighting for. And you owe it to both yourself and your partner to fight honorably. And don't take cheap shots, you know. Achilles heel. We've also talked about our love for a person can make us extremely vulnerable to them in a way that we aren't to a random stranger. Because a random stranger does not know your insecurities, does not know what you're sen- where you're sensitive, where to hurt you. Whereas someone you confide in and you become emotionally intimate with does. We give them knives and we hope they don't stab us with them. Mm. And that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Love is a ruthless game. You know, but Taylor thinks this new partner won't be ruthless with her. She hopes it, at least. She's found something good this time, she thinks. I think also from what we know about Taylor's life and what we talked about earlier about her relationships, this love being her Achilles heel, not only is it she's handing him the knives and saying, please don't stab me. It's as soon as everybody else finds out about this, this is going to be used against me Mm. in that way, like Achilles heel in that way. Like, my biggest enemies are going to see you as my greatest weakness. There you go. Yeah. Could well be. Could well be. Good thought there. Speaking of thoughts, let's go on to her overall thoughts. Kimberly, how do you feel about State of Grace? My overall thought is that this song is a bop. This song is so fun. And I think it does a great job of opening for Red, setting the tone for the rest of the album. But the one thing that has always confused me, and it was uh, even in the critical reception, people considered her a country singer at this time. This was like her last country album, technically, because she hadn't said, I'm moving to pop. But nothing about the way this song opens or a whole lot of the rest of the album it's country in any way, shape, or form. So anyone who was, like, surprised by her transition to pop, it baffles me. But this is not my favorite opener that she's ever written. But it's really freaking good. It's definitely, like, in the top few. It just opens in such a big way. I have also been a big fan of the acoustic version of this song. Because as big as the song is, 
hearing it kind of dialed back is fun. And I've always really enjoyed Taylor's inclusion of acoustic versions of uh, special songs for her deluxe editions of her albums. I'm really glad we got this one with the re-record. I just wish we had gotten Haunted acoustic version on Speak Now Taylor's version, but we didn't. So yeah, for me, I really like State of Grace. I think Red is Taylor's least cohesive album. I would say by orders of magnitude, really. It's not even close. The only one you could maybe argue is Evermore, but even that I think is a little bit more cohesive. Red is everything to all people, you know. Taylor is unsure what direction I think she wanted to go with it. I think this song, State of Grace, and uh, Holy Ground and a few others sort of show a soft rock feel which I think is a cool thing. And I kind of wish Taylor had explored it a little bit more. But there are also straight-up pop songs on Red. Mm -hmm. And there is I Need You Were Trouble, which is a very sort of dubstep-inspired song. Mm -hmm. There are Girl and Her Guitar ballads, the ukulele monstrosity of Stay, Stay, Stay. (laughs) You know, just a little bit of everything. And so, yeah, to me, Theta Grace is a good opener, but it, I think, sets sort of a false tone for what Red is going to be. Because Mm. you listen to State of Grace and you think, oh, there will be songs like this. Because that's what openers do to me. Mm -hmm. And it's really not that way. It kind of goes in a lot of different directions. And so, yeah, State of Grace I like a lot. I wish it was the direction that more of Red sort of went down. I think it would be interesting to explore. Allow me to amend my statement. State of Grace does a good job of setting the tone that I think Taylor meant for Red. But maybe didn't achieve. Mm, What tone was that, do you think? I think a pop transition album (laughs) is what she was going for. Yeah. And maybe she got scared. Maybe. And that's why we got to say, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could have been a sort of pressure from her label. Yeah, that's true. You gotta have some country songs on there for the people. Yeah. Something that could be argued as country or whatever. Figuring it out. Yeah. Could be. She was just figuring it out as she went. And that's why it's a little discombobulated. Indeed. Let's move on to our ratings. For anyone who may not know, we rate every song on a 1 to 10 scale. 1 is extremely bad, 10 is extremely good, and 5 is extremely mid. Kimberly, what rating do you give? I'm giving it a 7. I think it's a really good song. Like I said, it's a pop. I think it's a strong opener for an album. Like I said, not my number one, but it's up there. Okay. I think I'm going to give it a 7 also. It, you know, as we do Red Songs on this podcast i'm realizing that it hasn't held up as much as 1989 has you know and and some of her more recent material sure you know stack up to it mostly just because i think like i said you know she had a lot of ideas Mm -hmm. that she was playing with and she didn't really hit them yeah quite yet but I was excited at the time, I think, to see them. Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like when I think back to when Red was originally released, it was such a game changer at the time. Yeah. I was so excited for it at the time. But as time has gone on, it's definitely fallen in the ranks for me. Yeah. There are still people out there who will say it's her greatest album of all time. When it came out, I think it was, but not anymore. I think that's fair. Yeah, so for me, a seven. I think State of Grace is still one of the stronger songs on Red. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was number two, Reddit. I don't think so either. <laughs> it would probably be top five-ish maybe for me. Yeah, I could get that. But there are a lot of good songs, <laughs> especially with the vault tracks. Yeah, I'm going to do a little tease right now for an idea that I had, and I'm making the executive Ooh. decision 
to just go ahead and announce it live on air. Color me surprised. Fuck it, we ball. Yes. As soon as we have completed yes. a record, we've done all the songs. Okay. I think we should do a special episode where we take the album as a whole. Yep, and we run through whatever it we make our definitive rating. Of rating. the whole album. Yep. Okay. One to whatever. And we have our ratings, which we have to abide by. We can't go over. Yeah. If a song is rated a six, it's got to be below the sevens. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are bound by our honor as samurai. Well, I'm so glad I have my spreadsheet. But... There it is. <laughs> That's been keeping track of all of my <laughs> readings. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. I don't know when we'll get there. One day. Yeah, it might be a while, but I, I'm behind the idea. For Red, it definitely will be a little while because it's just There's so many. So many songs, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you'd like to tell us how you rate State of Grace, you may do that in the description of this episode on Spotify. There will be a poll. Also, there will be a poll on our social media platforms. We are on Instagram, and we are on Threads, and we are on X, and we are on TikTok, and YouTube at C-B-L-U underscore podcast. Yes. Follow us on those things. Rate us five stars or do not rate us. Those are the choices. Any other rating is counter-revolutionary. Kimberly, do you have anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. I do. I think we should announce our next song. That would be probably smart of us. We've forgotten to do that before. We sure have. Oh, yeah. Next week we're getting... Real festive up in here, bitches. That's right. It's tis the damn season. Yes, tis the damn season. And we didn't plan this. This was by chance. Yep. We have planned our Christmas episode. Yes. But tis the damn season being during December was a complete fluke. Yep. Sometimes things just work out. You love to see. Well, I guess that's it then for now. Thank you so much for listening. We will see all of you next week. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Pod Gremlin may be here. Thanks for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on all platforms at CBLU underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram, X, the zombie Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. We're now posting our episodes on YouTube. Head over there and like and subscribe. All of these links can be found in our link tree in the episode description. Thanks for supporting the pod. Y'all come back now, you hear?